Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for, oh, let's see, uh, Friday, March 24th through Sunday, March 26, 2023. We did take a little day off on Friday. Um, there are a, a number of anniversaries, actually. I'm not going to hit all of them. I'll just mention a couple. Um, on March 24th, 1999, this was the start of the NATO bombing campaign. Uh, in Kosovo that was supposed to end the 1998-1999 Kosovo War. Uh, after 78 days of sustained bombardment, uh, the Yugoslav government finally agreed to stop fighting. Kosovo became de facto independent. Uh, this campaign is still uh, remarked upon uh, it, to, to this day for having not really, strictly speaking, been uh, legal uh, according to international law uh, and setting a precedent that, say, people like Vladimir Putin have followed uh, in uh, some of the things that they've done uh, over the years. Uh, on March 25th, 1821, Greeks, Greek insurrectionists uh, declared their revolt against the Ottoman Empire. This is the start of the Greek War of Independence. Uh, the fighting had actually begun a couple, about a month and a half, I would say, previously, mid-February. Uh, the war, of course, ended with Greece uh, winning its independence, seceding from the empire. So this date, actually, March 25th, is commemorated as Greek Independence Day. Uh, on March 26th, uh, in uh, 1945, uh, this is one of the end of one of the most celebrated battles of World War II's Pacific Theater, the Battle of Iwo Jima. Uh, it's remembered most famously probably for the photograph of the U.S. Uh, Marines uh, raising the flag atop Mount Suribachi. Uh, uh, some historians have come to regard the Battle of Iwo Jima as a, a waste of lives in particular. There were about 25,000 combatants were killed over the course of a month-long battle. Um, it's, Iwo Jima was seen by U.S. planners and U.S. policymakers as a valu valuable potential airfield for strikes on Japan, on uh, other Japanese possessions in the Pacific. Its utility for those uh, purposes uh, is questionable, uh, in hindsight at least. Um, depriving Japan of the facility did uh, degrade Japanese military capabilities to some degree. Uh, of course, the, the battle was a boost to U.S. morale, and it added uh, a lot to the uh, luster of the Marine Corps. But whether that was worth the loss of life, I think, is, is still uh, hotly debated. Uh, also on March 26, 1971, uh, the uh, leader of East Pakistan, uh, the future Bangladesh, Sheikh Mujibur Rahman issued a declaration of independence from Western Pakistan uh, or modern Pakistan. Uh, this was an act that marked the start of the Bangladesh Liberation War. That conflict ended uh, in December after India's intervention uh, proved decisive, uh, with Bangladesh, uh, of course, as a newly independent state. March 26th is therefore commemorated as Bangladeshi Independence Day. And uh, I think that's good. Let's move on. Uh, on to the news. In the Middle East and Syria, U.S. forces and various Iran-linked militias had themselves a bit of a back and forth uh, in eastern Syria on Friday with two waves of U.S. airstrikes, killing at least 19 militia fighters, according to the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. 
The first of those strikes came in response to what the U.S. military claimed was a militia drone attack on a U.S. base near the northeastern Syrian city of Hasaka that killed one contractor and wounded another six people. The militia subsequently retaliated with rocket attacks on another U.S. base and an oil facility, prompting the second wave of U.S. attacks. The militias appeared to have retaliated again with a rocket attack on two oil facilities, but there was no third round of U.S. airstrikes, and things have been quiet through the weekend. The Syrian government is denying that there was an initial drone strike at all, and it's accusing the U.S. of inventing a justification for its airstrikes. Uh, elsewhere, Islamic State fighters killed at least 15 people and abducted some 40 others on Thursday in another attack on a group of truffle hunters in Syria's Hama province. Uh, truffle hunting is a popular pastime for rural Syrians who search for them in the desert and then are able to sell them at a fairly high price at market. Uh, but large truffle hunting expeditions have proven to be a popular Islamic State target. Uh, in Yemen, an apparent Houthi rebel drone strike killed a Yemeni soldier and wounded two other people near the city of Taiz on Saturday. Uh, the target may have been Yemeni Defense Minister Mohsen Adari, uh, whose convoy was near the checkpoint that was targeted by the drone. Uh, this incident comes just a few days after a rebel attack in Marib province, which we talked about uh, earlier in the week. Uh, and suffice to say, the prospects of new Yemeni peace talks are not looking super hot right now. Uh, the Houthis are also reportedly restricting the inflow of humanitarian flights to Sana'a. They say this is a response uh, to an ongoing Saudi blockade on commercial flights into and out of that city. Limited commercial flights were restarted during last year's ceasefire. They have continued despite the ceasefire's lapse in October. The Houthis claim that they're being throttled apparently cannot be confirmed. But even assuming that the Saudis are in fact blockading uh, com commercial flights, it's unclear why the Houthis think that restricting humanitarian flights uh, is an appropriate response or is going to move the needle uh, as far as the Saudis are concerned. Uh, I, I, I admit I don't, I don't see it. Uh, in Iraq, according to the AP, intercommunal violence is on the rise in Iraq's Diyala province uh, and has claimed at least 19 lives so far this month. Some of this violence appears to be a hangover from Islamic State's activity in the province as it involves attacks by Shia militias against Sunni communities accused, probably unfairly, of collusion with IS. Uh, but some of the violence has been Shia on Shia, apparently, which may reflect rivalries between militias and or criminal, smuggle, criminal smuggling networks uh, that are popular uh, in Diyala, given its location right along the Iranian border. Uh, the International Court of Arbitration, meanwhile, ruled on Saturday in favor of the Iraqi government in a long-running dispute with the Kurdistan regional government over oil exports. The KRG has been shipping oil by pipeline to Turkey since 2014 without the approval of the Iraqi oil ministry, a step the KRG says it took because Baghdad had been withholding or has been withholding the Kurdish region's lawful uh, funding share of the budget. The ruling could provoke a rupture between Baghdad and the KRG, although KRG Prime Minister Masrur Barzani says that he has been negotiating with Iraqi officials about a new arrangement that would accommodate both parties and fulfill the court's ruling. In Israel-Palestine, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine has claimed responsibility for a drive-by shooting in the West Bank town of Huwara on Saturday that left two Israeli soldiers wounded. Also on Saturday, Israeli security forces stormed the Haram al-Sharif uh, in Jerusalem to ev evict Muslims who had remained in Al-Aqsa Mosque after the nighttime prayer on the suspicion that they were planning some sort of disruption come Sunday morning. Israeli assaults on Al-Aqsa's compound have been a source of tensions uh, during previous Ramadan, so there's been no response to Saturday's raid yet 
so far as I know. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu canned his defense minister, Yoav Gallant, on Sunday after Gallant had the previous day called for a legislative pause in Netanyahu's deeply divisive judicial reform effort amid another massive protest against it in Tel Aviv. The firing prompted Asaf Zamir, the Israeli consul general in New York City, to resign his post in protest. It's also called into question whether Netanyahu now has the votes to pass the rest of his reform package. It's unclear how Gallant will will vote, uh, but if he and at least three other members of the Likud party now decide to join the opposition in voting against the legislation, then Netanyahu will have effectively lost his majority. Adding to the turmoil, Israeli Attorney General Ghali Baharav Miara has accused Netanyahu, or accused him on Friday, of breaking the law by openly advocating for the reforms. Uh, since Netanyahu is still on trial for corruption, uh, she argued that his calls to strip the judiciary of its power could be viewed as a gaping, massive conflict of interest. Uh, the protests resumed on Sunday, possibly intensified over Gallant's firing. Uh, in Asia and Azerbaijan, according to Eurasianet, uh, Azerbaijani security forces have moved to cut off a dirt road the travelers had been using to get around the already blockaded Lechin Corridor connecting the Nagorno-Karabakh enclave to Armenia. Azerbaijani officials are alleging that Armenia was using the road to smuggle arms into Karabakh, while the Karabakh regional government has countered that it was being used to ferry supplies to a region that's effectively been cut off from the outside world ever since a group of Azerbaijani activists, I put that in quotes because they're probably supported by the government, blockaded the main Lachine corridor back in December. In a rare rebuke, the Russian peacekeeping mission in the region accused the Azerbaijanis of violating the ceasefire agreement that they made at the end of the 2020 Karabakh War. Uh, those same Russian peacekeepers have reportedly been helping Armenian traffic to get through the Azerbaijani blockade for about $1,000 per person. Uh, very generous of them, really. You have to hand it to them. Uh, this new Azerbaijani move is likely going to intensify international fears that Baku is planning some sort of new Karabakh offensive in the near future. In Turkmenistan, Turkmen voters headed to the polls on Sunday to elect a new assembly. There is little suspense here as all three parties contesting the vote, the Democratic Party of Turkmenistan, the Party of Industrialists and Entrepreneurs of Turkmenistan, and the Agrarian Party of Turkmenistan uh, all support the government of President Serdar Berdimuhamedo. Uh, so, yeah, really not, not much uh, suspense here. Uh, in Myanmar, the Biden administration on Friday imposed new sanctions against Myanmar's ruling junta, uh, targeting in particular individuals and entities connected with the military's acquisition of jet fuel. A couple of the entities targeted are also involved in acquiring spare parts and other materiel for Myanmar's uh, military aircraft. Uh, these sanctions come in response to multiple reports of government airstrikes targeting civilian areas. Uh, inside Myanmar, a lawyer accused of laundering money on behalf of the junta was gunned down in Yangon on Friday by anti-junta militants. The group that carried out the attack apparently calls itself the Urban Owls and is one of a large number of localized people's defense forces that have emerged in opposition to the junta. Uh, in North Korea, South Korean officials are reporting that the North Korean military fired off two ballistic missiles on Monday morning. Uh, it is too soon to say exactly what the projectiles were uh, or how long they were in the air. 
in Africa, uh, in uh, Sudan, another bout of intercommunal fighting in uh, West Darfur state has left at least five people dead. Uh, it would appear that a Masalit merchant was gunned down on Thursday with the Masalit community accusing Arab herders of having killed him. That prompted a back and forth engagement in which the other four victims were killed. Uh, in Libya, the International Atomic Energy Agency now says it has accounted for nearly all of the uranium that went missing in southern Libya earlier this month. We covered this in the newsletter. The Libyan National Army had already announced this fine, but IAEA inspectors had previously not verified that claim. It's still unclear why the material went missing in the first place, but the LNA is alleging that Chadian militants of some description made off with the stuff and then abandoned it when they realized what they'd actually stolen, which isn't really all that weaponizable unless you have have a uranium enrichment uh, setup, which I assume most Chadian rebel groups do not. Uh, a small amount of uranium is apparently still missing, but uh, again, a small amount of missing natural uranium ore is really not a serious concern. Uh, in Chad, uh, the ruling junta there announced on Thursday that it is nationalizing all assets in the country belonging to oil giant ExxonMobil. The company announced back in December that it was selling off its Chadian and Cameroonian operations to a company called Savannah Energy. But Chad has rejected that sale and officials had previously suggested that they could take steps to block it. Uh, in Uganda, there's a piece in the Washington Post from Ishan Tharoor uh, looking at the uh, U.S. role uh, in Uganda's recently uh, passed, at least in the parliament, uh, and very harsh anti-LGBTQ legislation. Uh, I'll just read you a couple of paragraphs here. Um, Uganda's drive toward punishing this minority has a long history. Uh, this is not the first time the government in Uganda has pushed for extreme legislation against LGBTQ people, my colleagues Niha Masi and Rael Ambur explained. Uh, versions of the bill have been around since 2009, and in 2014, Museveni's government, uh, Yauri Museveni's government, passed a similar law whose first iteration included the death penalty for HIV-positive people and for engaging in gay sex with a minor. It was ultimately struck down by the court for not following due parliamentary process. At the time of that earlier wave of legislation, rights advocates pointed to the direct hand of the U.S. evangelical of U.S. evangelical organizations, many of which tread a well-beaten path through parts of Africa. In Uganda in particular, U.S. Christian groups have invested millions of dollars building schools and orphanages, but they've also left behind a profound ideological imprint. In 2020, London-based Open Democracy found that more than 20 American religious organizations advocating against LGBTQ rights, safe abortion, access to contraceptives, and comprehensive sex education had spent at least $54 million furthering their agendas in Africa since 2007. Close to half that figure was spent in conservative, predominantly Christian Uganda alone, where religious advocates advocate for gay conversion therapy and tout supposed success stories of ex-gay people. What a lovely bunch of folks. Uh, glad they spent all that money uh, in a very poor part of Africa doing nothing to help anybody uh, but just to further their bigotry. That's great. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Uh, in Rwanda, the Rwanda government on Friday commuted the 25-year prison sentence of Paul Rusesabagina, uh, the man whose activities during the 1994 Rwandan genocide were the subject of the 2004 film Hotel Rwanda. Rusesabagina, a critic of Rwandan President Paul Kagame and leader of the Opposition Rwandan Movement for Democratic Change, or MRDC, was arrested in, two, in 2020 
uh, and convicted on terrorism charges over the activities of the MRDC's armed National Liberation Front wing. Uh, the Qatari government apparently brokered his release, which Kagame views as a way to reset relations with the U.S., according to a statement tweeted by his press secretary on Friday. Rusesa Begina is set to return to the United States, though he was initially scheduled to stay at the Qatari embassy in Kigali uh, for a day or two before flying to Qatar on the first leg of his journey home. Uh, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the Kodeko militia cap- kidnapped 17 people on Saturday during an attack on a village in the eastern DRC's Ituri province and wound up executing them a day later. This incident apparently began with a clash involving a local militia in which three Kodeko fighters were killed. The kidnapping and murder was then done in retaliation for that incident. Uh, On to Europe and Russia. Uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced on Saturday that he and one of his chief acolytes, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko, have cut a deal that will see Russian tactical nuclear warheads stationed in Belarus. So that should be fun. Uh, The plans for this have apparently been underway for some time now, as Putin is expecting to have a storage facility uh, ready to house the nukes in place by July 1st. Uh, The nukes would remain under Russian control, a structure Putin likened to various U.S. arrangements with other NATO member states, uh, though as arms control expert Jeffrey Lewis noted on Twitter, Putin is uh, hearkening back to arrangements, kind of Cold War arrangements that don't necessarily exist anymore, uh, and that he, to quote uh, Lewis, may regret reviving. Uh, the nukes will serve a dual purpose uh, as a little extra Russian threat uh, to the West and as a deterrent for Lukashenko. Uh, As you might expect, this announcement was not well received. NATO and the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons both condemned it. Uh, In Belarus, the Biden administration on Friday blacklisted nine individuals and three entities in connection with that government's suppression of political opposition. Two of the entities, Belarusian Automobile Plant and Minsk Automobile Plant, are accused of intimidating workers who protested Lukashenko's disputed 2020 re-election. Uh, In Ukraine, Russian forces continue their offensive in eastern Ukraine over the weekend amid claims by Ukrainian officials that the front line around the flashpoint city of Bakhmut is stabilizing. Uh, The Ukrainian military's commander-in-chief, Valery Zaluzhny, made that claim on Saturday, backed up by an assessment from the UK Defense Ministry. His remarks came just a couple of days after the commander of the Ukrainian army, uh, Oleksandr Syrysky, claimed via telegram that Russian forces around Bakhmut are, quote, exhausting themselves, uh, end quote, and that the Ukrainians were preparing a counterattack to take advantage of this alleged exhaustion. Russian forces are in control of at least the eastern portion of Bakhmut. Wagner Group boss Yevgeny Prigozhin has claimed that they control 70% of the city, although that claim, like all of these Ukrainian claims about stabilization and exhaustion, is unconfirmed. There does seem to be some indication that the Russians have slowed the pace of their advance, but whether that's because they've stalled out due to whatever loss of material or strident Ukrainian defense or whatever the scenario is here, or because they're just marshalling for a new heavy offensive, uh, is impossible to know. Uh, Meanwhile, the United Nations Human Rights Office released a new report on Friday accusing both the Russian and Ukrainian militaries of mistreating POWs. Uh, The report was based on interviews with some 400 repatriated POWs, roughly half on either side, who spoke of being tortured and used as human shields, among other potential war crimes. 
Uh, in France, ongoing protests over French President Emmanuel Macron's pension reform project have forced the indefinite postponement, I know, of British King Charles' planned state visit to Paris. Charles was supposed to have arrived in France on Sunday, but amid the strikes and demonstrations, he's decided to skip the French leg of his continental trip and go directly to Germany instead. Uh, I hope the French people are able to recover from this calamity, and my condolences go out to them. Uh, in the Americas, in Honduras, as expected, uh, because uh, Xiomara Castro announced it earlier this month, the Honduran government on Sunday formally opened diplomatic ties with Beijing while severing them with Taipei. Honduran Foreign Minister Eduardo Enrique Reina and Chinese Foreign Minister Chin Gong uh, signed the paperwork, making it official in Beijing. The Taiwanese government accused Reina and Xiomara Castro of essentially selling Honduran recognition to whichever country offered a more lucrative aid package, which is uh, probably true, but then it's not clear to me why that's supposed to be a bad thing. It seems like they're doing their jobs. Uh, Taiwan is now officially down to 13 countries that still recognize it diplomatically. In Cuba, Cuban voters went to the polls on Sunday to elect a new National Assembly. Most of the attention seems to be focused on turnout rather than on the results of the election, with the Cuban government's foreign critics itching for a low turnout contest that allows them to proclaim that the Cuban public no longer supports its communist leaders. Uh, anecdotally, uh, condolences, I guess, but anecdotally, it seems like polling sites in Havana, at least, were pretty active. The official results won't be available for some time yet. Uh, and uh, in the United, United States, finally, uh, you may have seen last weekend that the New York Times revealed uh, that according to former Texas Lieutenant, Lieutenant Governor Ben Barnes, the 1980 presidential campaign's big October surprise that the Reagan campaign negotiated with Iranian leaders to keep their U.S. hostages in custody until after Reagan had defeated incumbent Jimmy Carter uh, really did happen. Barnes says that he accompanied former Texas Governor John Connolly on a trip to the Middle East in which Connolly sought to pass messages to the Iranians, uh, advising them not to free the hostages. Uh, Barnes has no insight, of course, into what happened on the Iranian end, uh, but his story seem, seemingly proves that the Reagan campaign at least intended for the Iranians to help them out. Uh, in this fashion by embarrassing Carter. Uh, Branko Marchetti to Jacobin notes correctly that Barnes' story gives new credence to the October surprise theory, which has been treated as idle conspiracy by polite D.C. society for over 40 years now. Uh, but the Times story didn't exactly break any news, as The Intercept's John Schwartz catalogs, and I'll read you a couple of paragraphs from his piece. All this is, a, is powerful evidence that the Reagan campaign did, as has been alleged for decades, strike a deal with the Iranian government to prevent the hostages from from being released. While that has never been proven, what's known beyond a shadow of a doubt is that the Reagan campaign was deeply worried that Carter might get the hostages out before November and thereby give a big boost to his prospects. You might understandably ask, if this actually happened, how could it have been kept secret? Why hasn't anyone with knowledge of it spoken up before? The answer is that it hasn't been kept secret, and many, many people have said it occurred. But most of the people doing so have been foreigners. Barnes is merely the most important American to finally come out and support the story. Schwartz catalogs a number of people uh, who have said exactly this uh, and also mentions the reporter Robert Perry, uh, the, the late Robert Perry, whose Consortium News uh, site was a, a, a great one, uh, who broke this story at the time. And all of them, of course, were treated as riffraff by uh, the, the uh, very important people in Washington. 
even though they were absolutely right, apparently, uh, that this did happen. Uh, but, you know, that's how things go, I guess. Uh, on that note, uh, that's all for us tonight. Uh, I want to thank all of you for reading and or listening to the newsletter. And thanks to those of you uh, who are subscribed, especially those of you who are paid for in exchange of subscribers. If you have been thinking about becoming a paid foreign exchange subscriber, uh, please please give it some more thought and, and maybe do that. Uh, it is the only way that the newsletter stays viable, uh, and uh, we may or may not be running a, a little special promo uh, for the next uh, few days. So it, it would be a good time to, to at least explore the idea. Uh, I don't want to say too much here. Uh, anyway, uh, until next time, as always, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.